we are going to talk about purpose, life purpose today. Um, City and I often get questions from students and uh, friends about what is uh, my personal purpose? How do I connect with this desire to be in alignment with that which I came in to do? Is there something I came in to do or do I get to create what I came in here to do? How do I find that connection? And will that give my day-to-day life, the life that contains many routine aspects, will it give it more meaning? Will there be more juiciness? Will there, will there be more vitality if I am in alignment with that versus if I'm not? Um, first, I'll say that we probably each have many purposes and we're here for many different reasons, but I want to talk about it in a very specific way. Um, purpose is expressed through the language of the soul. And so what do I mean when I talk about the soul? In the understanding of ancient teachings, the soul is the one who perceives. So we think, well, our mind is keeping track. Our mind is what is perceiving because it's the one that's registering certain data points. In fact, um, we are actually spirits having a bodily experience rather than bodies having a spiritual experience. I know I've said this before, but this is a really key point for us to remember because when we recognize that we're 100% spirit and that we happen to be in this container, so this container will have its own restrictions and its own um, challenges and whatnot, but the spirit is something that is eternal. That's our nature. And so the body is going to come and go. If Whether you believe in more than one lifetime or one lifetime, it doesn't matter. In the teachings, even if you te- are looking at teachings in a tradition that says you only have this one lifetime, you come and you're here, they will still acknowledge that the soul goes into eternity. The soul continues on. The soul doesn't dissipate and disappear. Simply the body has its disposition of dissolving. And whether it come, you come back, it isn't really relevant in that we're still having this experience here and now. We're having this experience as a spirit-based being, not a body-based being. So when we start to shift that mindset, we can start inviting in a little more depth of this esoteric part of our lives, of the ethereal, of the place where we can't exactly touch it. The body is so tactile and physical and we can look at it and evaluate it and be annoyed with it and whatever, but it is simply, the body is a tool for the spirit soul to have its experience. So we use our senses to quantify the experience that our body is having. And our soul gets to take that information and perceive it as data. And one of the teachings that we work with in when we're working to let go of being under the, under the dictate of what our body and our mind tells us to believe about this incarnation, about the reality and the truth of this life we're leading, we simply have to look at data that comes in as not being the construct. It's just simply information. So a soul that can perceive incoming information through our senses can simply um, allow that information to come and be with us, not adding judgment to it. So 
If the soul is witnessing something, it, it has just the data of it. It's like a camera taking a snapshot of something. It snaps what's happening in that moment. It has no subjective information entered into that frame at all. It's simply what is. That's how our soul interacts with information that comes and goes from a bodily standpoint. What gets in the way of that is our mind, brain, ego, that starts to say, oh, well, this experience, you're feeling this, so it means this. So it is the logic of our brain is to take one piece of information and then distill from it and come up with a conclusion, always a conclusion. It's good, it's bad, it's hard, it's simple, it's undoable, it's not possible, it's easy, whatever. But it, that's the brain's job is to do that. So when we allow that to be what dictates the soul's experience, then we're not actually having the truth of the experience because that's all judgment based on experience. So if you have an experience of something being unpleasant, then you and you allow your brain to tell you that every time that situation is similar, it's going to be unpleasant. You don't give the situation an opportunity to be other than unpleasant. So it's really incumbent upon us if we want our soul experience to be that which is really the truth of the moment, not the truth of our historical experience, but the truth of the moment, to have that expanded nature, then we have to learn how to harness the mind, the ego, fears, judgments. We talk about this all the time with meditation. The main purpose of meditation is to slow down the system so that our mind stops its constant chattering that the chattering leads us to conclusions that may be errant, that we are responsible to keep track of that. If we don't keep track of it, then it runs amok. It runs amok. Our mind and ego is like the color commentator of a sporting event that's just yapping over here all the time. And then this guy did this before and she's done this and this is their record and they're doing this in their personal life. And they're just giving you little pieces of data information that's a story about them, which may be accurate, may be partially accurate, maybe not even that accurate. It's the color. It's the color of the story, but we don't need that when we're having the fullness of the experience without judgment, that's more expansive than anything we can have in a story that we add color to. It will always outshine that which we make up because that which we make up as a story has so many layers that are maybe true and maybe not that we have um, a contraction around it. We want expansion, we need to be able to teach ourselves how to receive data from our senses so that we can have the incoming information, but not to hold on to it based on past experiences. What happens when we take these experiences and we hold on to them, we have a choice of either becoming entangled, limited, having false belief or judgments. This is what happens when the, co the color commentator gets involved because then there's a story. If we want to hold the incoming information as simply data about what's happening, that sounds very antiseptic. And you think, well, that's not very juicy. But in truth, when we don't layer it with untruths, with stories, false beliefs and judgments, there's actually a purity. And that purity of experience is much more um, juicy than the experience of that which we have set up 
false beliefs around or story around or historical information around. So what happens when we allow the brain and the mind and our past experiences to be a big piece of how we experience something is that we create these like twisted strands. So these twisted and knotted ropes that we have that it's really us, we get so twisted up that the truth of it can't come through. It gets stopped by all of these stories. So the work that we have, the work of the soul is to untwist these strands and to move into more equanimity with life as it is showing up for us. And when we move into that place, there's a, there is an ease that happens that is not present when we're trying to take old information and try to make sense out of it and to apply it to a new situation. It's very hard to do. It's very hard for us to drop all of these old ideas and patterns that we have because they're ingrained in us. But you will see if you start to pay attention how fast your mind jumps from one experience to a conclusion. We don't leave open the space between the experience and the possibility of outcome because we are already projecting how something's going to be. So our work is to untwist these knots that have been created. We can call them patterns. You can call them vrittis, which is a reoccurring thought that derails us. You can call it tendencies, blind spots. Many people will say, well, that's a blind spot in my personality. Well, it's just an entanglement. We have to unravel, untie, unknot these. This is why we meditate. This is why we stretch this is why we lengthen our body and our mind and our whole being so that it has more fluidity. This is why we do all these practices, whether it's mantra or mudras or cleanses, or these are all ways, these are all tools and techniques for untangling the knots that we've gotten. And they may be historical. They may be from other lives. If that's the way that you understand the soul's transition from one life to another, it can be bringing some knots with us, or they may be knots from your childhood, or they may be knots from your last week's experience, wherever they're coming from, until we can undo them, we get stopped by them. When we heighten our vibrational level and experience of life by cleaning house this way, we move into a whole new perception. So our aim is to up the perception that we have of how life is actually occurring around us. And out of that, we start to have more joy because there's less judgment and less disappointment and less comparison and less angst about how life unfolds. We hold so many constraints in our life about how things should be based on something somebody else did or a past experience. We want a clean house. The only differences between one soul and another is the degree of the acquired experiences that they've had. So as our soul acquires experiences and then works to untangle any of these knots that have been created, it, that's what the evolution of the soul is. So the difference between when we see someone who's acting out or having a diff really difficult time been coming to terms with something in their life that's just a repetitive behavior or addiction. We look at any of those and we see the only difference between that soul and our soul is that they have not yet been able to untangle some of these knots. So their evolution, their vibrational level 
has not had the opportunity to rise. We want to take responsibility for that. We want to take responsibility because we can't control all of the external things that are happening in our life. We know that. We can't control that, but we can untangle ourselves so that when the unexpected comes into our life, we don't have to be derailed by it. We have to rise to what needs to be done. There may be an action that has to take place. But being derailed by it means diminishing our power. Our power is that we can have the experience and we can figure out what are the choices based on what the truth of the situation is. What are our choices to move forward? We want to have action and power and fiat, our own fiat. But if we immediately accept a situation and decide that we don't like it and it is uh, heavy for us, then we have dulled down the possibility of us having an action or our own fiat into the world that is pleasing. We sabotage ourselves by not untangling these knots as part of our practices. This takes awareness and honesty. We have to be honest and say, this is a pattern I see in myself. I see how I react to this sort of thing, or I see how I, I can't handle this well. We have to start paying attention because those are the knots we can work on. This rope is unlikely to untangle by itself. It's unlikely. The only way it's going to untangle is if we trust and we allow shifts and the rearrangement of ourself. We actually invite that in and we say, I want to evolve. I want my vibrational level to increase and not to be held captive by some old story. We have to set that as our mindset. When we see those historical or even in the world today, those beings who have transcended the entanglements of the, those souls that have moved beyond, you see how things happen and they still have an equilibrium in them. They know the language of the soul. So the soul's language is not the same language as language we use to communicate just in general, I need this done or that done. It's a different language. The theme and the constancy across traditions, religions, cultures, ages is one word. One word embodies the unlimited ways. It is one word that actually is the language of the soul. Spiritual perception allows us to see our own purpose, why we're here and what our need is and how we are to respond into the world through this one word, through this embodiment. There are thousands of expressions through this one lens. We have opportunities that are unlimited as to how we might be able to work into and live into our purpose by looking through this one lens. If we keep our eyes focused on seeing like a camera through one lens, not many, many different lenses, but one, and we keep that lens polished, we'll have a clarity in our perception. And when we have a clarity in our perception, then we have the possibility of spiritual knowledge coming up spontaneously. And when that happens, then we have clues. We get guidance as to what is my purpose. So what is this common lens for all of us? The common lens throughout the ages, throughout the teachers, throughout all different stories of how the soul evolved is love. Love illuminates your purpose. Love exposes your purpose. Love is your purpose. So the question is not how, what is my purpose into the world? The question is, what is my expression of love into the world that's being called for? 
And if we can respond to the world with love as the, the foundational piece that we're offering, we will know what the action is through this love that needs to be done. We will know how we are to be in the world. It may be your career. It may be just the way you're responding in your day-to-day. -day. It may be parenting. It can be anything. But when it comes from love, then we have, a, we have an insight into the many different avenues that we might use to have our purpose be illuminated. Love will illuminate your purpose. You will feel purposeful if you understand that by simply being love in all situations or as many as you can, you have already maximized your purpose. You may do many other things in your life. That's beautiful and wonderful. But love is the underlying foundational piece that needs to be happening if we want to, to play, take this planet and we want to be able to move it into another level and another frequency and another viability of it continuing from both human, animal, plant, from all levels, we have to do this through the lens of love. There is no other lens that will allow liberation in that way. So often we limit ourselves by what we think we should do into the world. And we have some, we want it to be some big picture and we get paralyzed by that. Well, I don't think I'm doing my purpose because I haven't quite found the thing that brings me, brings me, brings me. Back it up. We're asking the wrong question. If we ask the question of what is being called for through love in every situation, we will manifest what it is we're meant to be doing in the world through that lens. Love is the only purpose that we have on this journey. If you studied A Course in Miracles, you will know there is no other purpose except to extend love to one another. Because in that harmony and in that equanimity and in that balance, we actually allow ourselves and others to reach their heights. Otherwise, we're just containing ourselves and others. We're making ourselves smaller instead of bigger. I would venture a guess that most of you, each of you, every one of you on this call is already offering love in many, many ways into the world. And that you may not consider the, the simple offerings and acts that you're doing substantive enough. So you say, well, that's not my purpose. But if you turn it around and you look at each of those as being what you can offer each day and all the other parts are just beautiful parts of your life. But if the open heart is the place where you focus what it is that you're offering into the world, you will feel different and everyone around you will feel different. So for this week, I want you to focus on be love, do love, see love all around you and see that your purpose is vibrating through the lens of love. Your purpose into the world is vibrating through the focus and lens that is simply love and see how that feels for the week.